that you are enough. You're enough. Can we just can we just let the wind out of the sail a little bit this morning? Can we just settle right there that you are enough? You're enough. The Bible says in Psalms 139, it says, for you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So watch this. God formed your inner parts. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. You are exactly what he wants you to be. Can you receive that today? Can you be okay with that? You see, you've been handcrafted, not mass produced. You didn't come off an assembly line. You didn't come from some plant. You were handcrafted by God. You're custom, baby. Look at your neighbor and say, you're custom. You're custom made. There's nobody else like you. Nobody with your DNA. Nobody with your personality. Nobody with your eyes. Nobody with your quirkiness. Come on. Nobody with your goofiness. (laughs) You're the only you there ever will be on the planet. And listen to me. God likes you that way. Because that's the way he made you. And so today I want to talk to you about you. And I want you to walk out of here today knowing that you know what? I'm good enough. I'm enough. God made me the way he wanted me to be made. And that is enough. I want to qualify this a little bit by saying this just to make things clear. That doesn't mean that you're not going to change. It doesn't mean that you're not going to grow. It doesn't mean that God's not going to pull some things off of you that need to come off of you and put some things on you that need to come on you. But, but you're, you're right now for this moment, you are good enough. You're enough. You see, we live in a society today and in a time where media is everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there is media. You can't go to the burger joint, sit down, and eat a burger without the news being on. We live in a media-driven society, right? Social media. You get to see people's stuff, their business. And some people put too much business on their Facebook page. And you're like, ah, they want to see that. But we live in a society where people post only the good things. They want to determine what you think about them and how you see them. They're too afraid to be just real and honest in who they are. They want to put only the best on their media page. Right? We only want people to see the good stuff. Nobody puts their ugliness. Nobody puts their failures. Right? It shows up, it showed up really strong this summer when people took vacation. I've got some friends that, that took vacation and I was, it was interesting to watch them on Facebook. And, and, and one friend went to Destin, Florida, man, they're taking pictures on the beach, you know, like, bam, 
bam, you know, all these nice pictures on the beach. They got their little summer body. I didn't get mine this year. And, and they're over there like, like, crunching. I mean, how do you flex and smile naturally at the same? Don't work. Anyway, they're taking their, their destined beach, Florida pictures, right? And they're posting them. Well, then I got other buddies that just went to Holly Beach. Come on, somebody. How many of you know Holly Beach is good enough? Can I get a witness? They went to Holly Beach, but here's the problem. They weren't satisfied with Holly Beach. They wanted to look like they was at Destin. So they, they would take pictures at Holly Beach and then filter them and clean them up and try to make Holly Beach look like Destin. It ain't happening, baby. If you went to Holly Beach, go to Holly Beach. Right? And pass a good time. <laughs> but there's too much pressure to be something that you're not. Too much pressure to keep up with everybody else. I got to do what everybody else is doing. I got to be what everybody else is being right now. And it's like fashion. It's going to go out of style. Nothing's wrong with fashion. It's just going to go out of style. And then you got to change. I wish I'd have stayed in high school with my Jabot jeans and my shirts. Come on. So anybody, anybody know what Jabot jeans are? Come on, kid. I'm in the right church this morning. Hey, Jabot jeans was the boss. $75. I don't know how my mom afforded that. But I wear my Jabot jeans like I was the man. But they went out of style. So did I. Right? Went out of style. I can't keep up. I mean, listen, skinny jeans came in. I was like, heck no. No. Big brother don't wear skinny jeans. Right? If my jeans are skinny, it's because I grew into them. Come on, somebody. They're like, you got skinny jeans. No, they was loose. I just grew a little bit. <laughs> they became skinny. Now my wife shrunk them. You know how we say. She dried them. <clears throat> but there's a lot of pressure to be something that you're not. To post a picture to keep up with everybody else who's posting the picture. And this is, so watch this, watch what happens is you get caught up in this cycle of trying to become something that you're not. You see, to be you, it doesn't require any work. To be anything other than you is exhausting. Say it's exhausting. There's pressure everywhere is to be something that you're not. Think about the young girls today. Got to dress a certain way, act a certain way, do a certain thing, post a certain picture. Can't take a picture without something being shown in the picture. I'm like, golly, you don't have to do that. Can't you just be you? Funny thing about raising kids, we've got three of them, and they're all different. Every one of them is different, right? You got anybody with more than one kid? I mean, they're all different. They may have some similarities, but they're all different. And you got to embrace their difference, right? You know why? Because God formed them, their inner parts, and God knit them together just like he did you, and he didn't make them exactly the same. So we as parents, we need to quite, quit trying to make them exactly the same. It shows up in men a lot of times when they have multiple sons, and they have an image of what a son's supposed to be like. He's supposed to spit. He's supposed to have an attitude. He can cut grass. He can push a lawnmower. Even if he's grabbing the second bar, he can push the lawnmower, right? He learned how to pee outside, right? I taught my boy how to pee on the tree, right? I, my boy. 
And you got this image of a man that, that you're trying to bring your kids up into this image that they may not necessarily be made to be like. You may have a son that likes to do little arts and crafts. You may have a son that might one day become a jewelry maker. And listen to me, it doesn't mean that he's any less man than anybody else. That's just how God created him. Amen? And if we're not careful, we'll try to shape them into what we want, and then they'll grow up, and they'll be frustrated, and they'll spend their whole life trying to discover who they really are, frustrated by what they've become. If we'll just stop and say, Lord, how did you create this one? Lord, show me how this one was formed. How'd you knit this one together? I want to keep him going the way you got him going, right? I want him to be made in your image, not mine. And if we'll shape them and grow them that way, they'll be way more successful in life, way more peace, way more pleasure in their life. They won't waste so much time trying to discover who they are. And here's the cool thing is they'll be confident in who they are. You know what I love to see? I love to see kids that are confident in who they are. To me today, there's nothing more appealing than to see a young man or young girl who is just confident in who they are. They're not trying to keep up with the crowd. They're not trying to look like everybody else, not trying to be like everybody else. They're not doing what the crowd's doing. They know who they are. They're confident in it, and they're standing on their own two feet. Amen? That's appealing today. Because everybody looks the same. So we got to be careful. So today, I want you to walk out of here knowing that you are enough. That God created you to be like you are. Your personality, your talents, your skills, your gifts. Everything about you is the way that God created you. And I want you to be okay with that. Because the world needs you to be you. It don't need you to be somebody else. Amen? You're enough. You're enough. I had this thought, just because you don't look like the crowd doesn't mean that you're missing something. God didn't create you to look like the crowd. He created you to look like him. The Bible says you were made in his image. It doesn't require work to be you. It requires work to be something other than you. Sometimes we've run into situations where people have tried to put things on us. Maybe you were raised in a household where you had to be a certain way, do a certain thing, act a certain way, speak a certain way. And something was put on you that, that it just wasn't right. And so you spent a lot of time trying to discover who you are. Who am I? Can I just relax? Can I just be me? Is it okay to just, am I not going to get punished for just being me? Come on, you know how it is when you get around those friends, the friends you really like the best. They're not always the coolest ones, but they're the ones that you can just be real with. Isn't that the best time you ever spend is when you get around your friend that you can just be your goofy self and ain't nobody judging you, right? And you, leave, you walk out of that situation, you kind of go, oh, God, that was so good, right? You're not exhausted. Why? Because you're being you. You're just being you. David had a similar problem a similar situation and I want to learn from him today David had some things that were uh, tried to put on him that people tried to put some things on David that just didn't work and so I want to learn from David today so go with me to first Samuel chapter 16 I want to talk about David and then we're going to talk about Goliath a little bit 
And I want to show you in the life of David how he was not qualified according to people, but he was qualified according to God. 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 4. So Samuel did, Samuel was the prophet. Samuel did as the Lord instructed when he arrived in Bethlehem. The elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Jesse brought out his best looking son first and presented him to Samuel. And Samuel thought, according to Eliab's appearance, that surely he's the one that God's going to choose. And God said, put the big old X on him. Nope. And then God teaches Samuel a lesson real quick. Watch this. He said, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Where's the heart? The heart's on the inside. It's not on the outside. What matters most in your life is how your heart is, not how your face is. Amen? God's looking at your heart. He's not worried about your appearance. You can dress up a pig and make it look pretty, but at the end of the day, the pig is a pig. It still stinks. You can pretty your life up all you want to and on the inside still be rotten. Then Jesse told his his son Abinadab to step forward and, and walk in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, Nope, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Simeon or Shemiah. But Samuel said, nope, he's not the one either. And then all seven of of Jesse's sons come in front and they all get a no. They all get told no by God. And watch what happens. Samuel asked, verse 11, are these all your sons? Well, you know, we got that one son. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> y'all know y'all got that brother, that sister, that cousin, right? Yeah, we got this one cousin. Uh, we don't talk about him too much. Uh, yeah, we got this one son. Uh, you're not laughing. Maybe you're that person they're talking about. Oh, just saying. Nobody's laughing. <laughs> They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was, I find this very interesting. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. I'm going, what? You just rebuked Samuel for looking at the outward appearance. And the Bible's describing David as dark, good-looking, with beautiful eyes. I'm like, what's up with that, God? What you trying to say? You said not to look at the outside, but you're describing his outside. Maybe God's just trying to tell us you can have a good heart and be good-looking at the same time. Holla. Holla. <clears throat> 
So as David, I'm sorry, let me back up verse 12. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark, handsome, had beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. David was busy taking care of the sheep and the goats. He was working in the pasture. Didn't even know there was a sacrifice going on. Wasn't even invited. He wasn't, they thought he wasn't qualified from the get-go, so he didn't even get the invitation. Just left him in the field with the sheep and the goat. Meh. Ain't worthy to come in the house and get sacrificed and and go through the ceremonial cleansing and and do all those things and meet the prophet. Never brought the son in the house. Even his own daddy didn't think he was qualified to stand before Samuel. That he had no choice, no chance of ever making it. Some of you can relate to that. Because people have been kicking you to the curb your whole life. Because you ain't what they think you need to be. But can I just tell you today that you're still enough and that God ain't done with you yet? I say God's not finished with you yet. And if God elevates you and God promotes you, then so what what everybody else thinks. He'll move you in front of everybody else that thinks they own the position. God will move you into that place and, 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 and they'll be sitting there mad at you because you got promoted and they didn't think you was worthy of it. Just out in the pasture taking care of his daddy's sheep. Number one, there was an unexpected anointing. David had no clue he was getting ready to be anointed as the next king over Israel. I find that there's a great work ethic principle in here that I'm just going to take a couple minutes to talk about this morning because some of you need some help with your job. I don't know how to say this nicely, but some of you can't keep a job to save your life. And there's a reason for that. God's not mad at you. And people don't hate you. You're just missing a principle. Let's learn something real quick. David was so busy with his father's sheep. His job was to take care of the sheep. Don't let any of them die. Make sure they stay in good grass. Make sure they keep fresh water in front of them. Make sure they stay together. Don't let the lion and the bear come steal the lambs from them. Son, go take care of my sheep and my goats. Pretty simple, right? David was so busy taking care of his responsibility that he never looked up to see that there was something going on at the house. Some people worry about what everybody else is doing and what's going on around here, what's going on over there, that they don't even do their job. And then when they get fired, they get mad. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with them people. They can't keep nobody working over there. I'm trying to be nice about this. I've been an employer at times. I've employed 50 employees at one time. I've seen them in every little batch, color, and mix that you could ever want. And I'm not really proud to say this, but I fired more Christians than I've kept. It 
It's a principle, y'all. If you put your head, whatever God gives you, whatever he puts in front of you, if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, flip them dang burgers till you're blue in the face and flip them right and flip them good and don't turn back and don't worry about what the bun guy's doing. You stay on the patty. Come on, somebody. And you flip your patty. You make sure your patty's good. And when your patty's ready, you bring it to the bun. And then you go back to your patty and you keep flipping your patty and you got the best patties in the whole place. Amen? And you keep doing that, and then one day God's going to say, hey, did you notice the guy with the patties? No, I didn't, but we got some good patties around here. You need to promote that boy. And then he goes from patty to the pusher, to the supervisor. Right? You put your head on what God's got you doing. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You take care of your assignment. Don't try to take care of somebody else's assignment. Put your hand to the plow. Keep your eyes going forward because if you're looking back, you're making crooked rows. Amen? And keep your hand hand to the plow. You keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, chugging along, thanking God for everything that he's given you. You're not working for man. You're working for God. Come on, somebody. You're working for God who sees everything, even the innermost parts of you. He sees your attitude. Lord, thank you that I get to flip patties today. Thank you, Lord. Bless these patties. Somehow. (laughs) These soybean patties. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Until God promotes you. You see, David had an unexpected anointing. He wasn't waiting around for his promotion. He wasn't sitting there on the bucket and the sheep are two miles off getting ate up by the bears, wondering when he's going to get his promotion. He was taking care of what was in his hands right now. And I promise you this, for every person that has a job, you just take care of what you've been given to take care of and you do it with a good attitude like you working for God and not for this guy that's supposed to be paying you. And God will promote you in due season which means his season, not yours. (laughs) Because when you think it's your season, it ain't his season. Was that real painful? Simple work ethic principle found in the middle of the message. Amen? All right, so we graduated from work school. So David gets called in, gets anointed to be the next king. I find it funny that the Bible says he was good-looking, Dark, had big eyes. I'm like, okay, God, I guess he was good looking and anointed. Better watch out. If you got some single ladies in here, you need to wait for the man that's good looking and anointed. Not good looking and not anointed. (laughs) Amen. So that day, David was anointed king of Israel. He didn't take the throne. He He didn't become king that day. He was just anointed for a future date that God had in mind that he would become king. Now, this is what I find really interesting, is that David was a shepherd, but David was a musician. Say musicians are cool. Say musicians are manly. If they're men, right? I mean, yeah. David was a harp player, y'all. David was a shepherd with a harp. The Bible says that David would run through the fields playing his harp. I just got to confess this morning, I've tried that at my house. 
like running through the house like I'm playing a harp. It ain't nothing manly about that. I'm saying my dad's a lot. My kids are like, dad, that's weird. There's nothing manly about it, right? I mean, but he's playing a harp. Gets anointed to be king. He has a talent. He has a skill. Every one of you have a talent and a skill, right? Say yes. All of a sudden, David gets anointed king. The Bible says that the spirit of God came off of Saul, who was the king, and was now on David, and a tormenting spirit came over Saul, and Saul would get tormented in his soul. So much so that the people that were around him says, we need to get somebody here to help him. Maybe some good music will help him. Well, by chance, David is a harp player. So not shortly after he's anointed king, he gets pulled into the kingdom to play his harp for the king when the tormenting spirit comes on him. Now watch this. David is using his skill to serve in the throne room that he's going to one day possess. Let that marinate for a minute. He wasn't trying to be king. He didn't ask to be king. He didn't apply for kingship. Amen. God saw his heart and through his skill promoted him into a place that he would one day rule and reign. You see it? You never know where your talents and your skills will take you. Just let them take you. Because God's probably up to something. Right? So there was an unexpected anointing. So David's father sends him to live in the, in the, in the palace. And uh, all of a sudden, Israel goes to war against the Philistines. And David gets a sabbatical. He gets to go home because Saul's not at the, at the palace anymore. So David's back at home and his brothers are out at the battlefield. David's not even old enough to go to war yet. And he gets sent to the battlefield with a picnic basket, y'all. His daddy says, hey, boy, I packed the lunch. Go bring this to your brothers. I mean, come on. He, he was a gopher. He'd go for this and go for that. Right? So he's packing a picnic basket, heading out to the battlefield. And when he gets to the battlefield, he sees this giant out in the middle of this valley cursing his God, whom he loves. The one he would prance through the pasture with singing about. And then David, I believe, looked around at the, at the army of Israel and was like, what? You bunch of pansies? What are y'all doing? You're standing here letting him mock God? I mean, what? What? And then David says, I'll take him on. So he gets Saul's attention. Watch this. Number two, let's talk about David's enemy real quick. So, so Goliath standing out in the valley and, and he's, he's cursing their God and challenging them to come out and get him. Let's talk about what he looked like real quick because I think it's important. First Samuel chapter 17, verse four, it says this. It describes what Goliath looked like. It says, then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Goth, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He was bigger than Shaq, y'all. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. 
The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying his shield. He had a crony carrying his shield for him. This brother is dressed up. A bronze helmet, a bronze mail over him, bronze leggings. Come on, somebody. Can you say war machine? He was the image of the war machine. He was the war machine. He was dressed to perfection. He was intimidating to look at. And here's the problem. The children of Israel were intimidated by his outward appearance. And God says, don't get afraid about people's outward appearance. You need to get afraid about what's in them. Look at what's inside somebody, not what's on the outside. Goliath was intimidating. Number three, but David was enough. Shepherd boy was enough. Watch verse 32. So word gets back to Saul that there's this kid that wants to fight the giant. So David comes to Saul and David says this, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. (laughs) You ever got held back because you was young? I find it interesting that Saul says he's been a warrior since his youth and David's a youth. I'm like, well, if he started when he was a youth, why can't David start when he's a youth? And he does. Watch David's... (laughs) Watch David's, his, his qualifications for himself. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my daddy's sheep and goats. <laughs> this giant's been fighting since he was a kid. He's nine foot tall, son. Ain't no way you're going to win. Yeah, but I've been, I've been taking care of my daddy's sheep and goats. Then he said this, he said, when the lion and the bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this with both lions and bears, and I'll do it with this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Now get you some of that. I love this portion of scripture. I love this part of the Bible because it's trash talking, y'all. There's good trash talking in the Bible. I'm serious. This, he's like, I done fought the line. I'm going to put this punk down too. They need to have like a gangster version of the, you know what I'm saying? It would really read well. Saul finally consented. He said, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Go ahead. May the Lord be with you like good luck. <laughs> you ever have a young person around you uh, insistent that they're going to do something, and, you, and finally you're like, okay, psh, try to talk you out of it, go ahead and do it. And then in your mind you're going, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> I can jump that fence, Dad. I can jump that fence. No, you can't. I'm telling you, I can jump that fence. That's a hot wire fence, son. I can jump that fence. Okay, son, jump the fence. It's going to be good. Pull out your phone, right? You pull out your phone, you put it on video. All right, son, go ahead. Post it to YouTube, make some money. Go ahead. 
May the Lord be with you. Now watch this. This is where we need to be at this morning. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, trying to make him look like Goliath, trying to make him intimidating, trying to make him look like something that he wasn't currently looking like. He looked like a shepherd, not a warrior. The Bible says he was so young, he couldn't even grow a beard like a warrior. If you were a warrior in those days, you had you a full-on beard, like a man beard. You know what I'm saying? Not like a a half-cut yard. He had a, a beard. Right, my son's 17 years old. He's trying to grow a beard, and he, you know, every every couple of days, I'm like, bro, you need to shave it. He's like, well, why? I said, because you need to sprinkle some seeds over to these bare spots over here and get you a full beard because you got some, you got some patches, and, and it's a big discussion. <clears throat> you, you'll face this with your sons one day too. But he didn't have a beard, so he wasn't even old enough. He didn't look like he was supposed to go out to fight. He didn't even look like he was supposed to be there. And so Saul's trying to make him look like a warrior. With some things that he's just not used to. So David put on, he put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. Listen to his response. I can't go in these. He protested. The Bible says he protested. I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Saul said, if you're going to go to battle, you need to wear this. You need to look this way. That way you're presentable and you look like a, and maybe you won't die on the first lick. You'll die on the second lick. I don't know, but you need to, you need to put my stuff on you. He was trying to put his armor on David and David's like, I don't want it. I don't want to be like that because sometimes people try to make you like something that you don't want to be. That's the pressure of society today. You need to look like this, act like this, dress like this, speak like this, take pictures like this. And deep down inside, you know, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Can't I just be me? And so David took it off. He says, I'm not wearing this. I'm not used to this. I've never fought in this before. So watch what he does. He picks up five smooth stones. From a stream and puts them in his shepherd's bag. That's cute. Then armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now watch this. David was confident in who he was. He was not insecure. He knew that if God delivered him from the lion and the bear and gave him power to beat them, that he would also give him power to defeat the giant that was standing in front of the whole nation. He was confident. I beat him in my shepherd's clothes. I'm going to beat this giant in my shepherd's clothes. I beat him with a club. I'm going to beat him with a club again. Right? I'm going to fight with what God's got in my hands right now. I don't need to go take somebody else's stuff to fight with. I'm going to fight with my own weapons. Amen? It might not look shiny. It might not look pretty. But it's going to kill something. Amen? And so he starts out and he grabs him a couple stones out the river, some smooth stones, and he, he puts them in his fanny pack and he, he's heading out and he's got his, his little shepherd's robe on and he's got his shepherd's staff and he's got his, his sling and he's, he's, he's walks out to the valley and I bet everybody in their mom was like, well, this is the last time we're going to see this boy. Pulling out their phones, taking videos. He's going down. And David walks out there confident in who he is. But it wasn't about him. It was about who was going with him. Right? 
He didn't need to be anything else because who was going with him was more than enough. He didn't need to change because the same God that delivered him before was with him again. Amen? Why change? I don't need to change. That's just weird to try to be somebody that you're not. It's flicted looking. Can I use that word? It's not a curse word, is it? <clears throat> Watch this. <laughs> Trash talking. So he heads out across the valley to fight the Philistine. Verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. You got to love this little shepherd dude, man. He talks some trash. Why he goes, David replies to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord of heaven's armies and the God of the, of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. And listen to this. He goes, today, today the Lord will conquer you and I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut your head off. He don't even have a sword. He's talking trash and he ain't got no sword. I love it. Didn't worry about the sword. Sword be there. I'm going to cut off your head. Then I'm going to give your dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world's going to know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. Get you some. I mean, come on, shepherd boy, y'all. He got no metal on. He doesn't have no bronze on. He doesn't have a sword. He's got nobody carrying a shield for him. He got five smooth stones. Just five stones and a sling. Fanny pack and a staff. Gonna kill me a giant today, y'all. A giant going down. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna cut his head off. Sorry, sucker. Verse 48, it gets even better. Goliath starts to move in to attack. You know what David does? He starts running at him. I bet he was like, Aah! just takes off at him. Aah! That's what I'd have done. I'm going to try to freak this dude out. I'm going to make him think I'm on drugs. I'm crazy. There's something wrong with me. Like he's going to back up and go, whoa, because I wasn't expecting that. Come on, you all ran into that little dog that looked kind of cute, but then he showed you his teeth and started coming at you, and you was backing up over the little dog, right? I just think it looked like that. He, ran, he quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd bag, he takes out a stone, and he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. And the Bible says the stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell. Watch this. He fell face down before shepherd boy come on now when you just be who you are and you just you just be in yourself and you go against the giants in your life they gonna fall face down before you god promises that his enemy will be your footstool your enemy's gonna be your footstool your enemy's gonna bow before you you don't have to worry about what you look like you just take what you got and you go to battle god gives you victory and your enemies are bowing before you Goliath, out. 
smooth out like we used to say when I was a kid. Somebody get in a fight, knock somebody out, that dude's smooth out. That's like he's out, out. Out cold. Verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. For he had no sword. He had no sword, but he just told his dude he was going to cut his head off and he ain't got no sword. Right? I mean, if you're going to talk trash, you've got to back it up. You don't back it up, people don't believe you're trash. Y'all didn't catch that one. That was good, that was good preaching right there. If you're going to talk trash, you need to back it up because if you don't back it up, people ain't going to believe the trash that you're talking is real. That's like parents that threaten to beat their kids if they keep doing something wrong, but they never do nothing to the kids and the kids keep doing something wrong. Free parenting lesson right there. Just saying. Ain't even a parenting message. Y'all got something extra today. Goliath is face down. David is standing there with four more stones in his pocket ready to go. Says, I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. David runs up to him, the Bible says. Grabs his sword. It's a big sword. Almost messed up and cut a wire this morning. That would have had some great effects. Come on, y'all know it's right. A little spark and a little flame. Hey, Hollywood, baby. David grabs his sword, kills him, the Bible says, and then cuts his head off. Shaw! Cuts his head off. Shepherd boy. Just being who he was. He didn't wait to go to war till he found a sword. He didn't try to use somebody else's sword. He just figured if God told me to cut the head off, he's going to provide something to cut the head off. And God proves David in that moment. God proves to all of us today that David was enough. David was enough. And I'm here to tell you today, if David was enough as a shepherd boy, then you are enough as who you are today. You don't need to be somebody else. You don't need to conform to this world like Romans says, but you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you need to renew your mind today and say, you know what? I'm not trying to be like somebody else. I'm just going to be me because me is plenty enough. Amen. It's plenty enough. If I try to be, be somebody else, I can't have victory like I need to have when I'm me. Because listen to me, David doesn't kill Goliath dressed like Saul. David kills Goliath dressed like David. You're not going to take the ground for the kingdom that God wants you to take. You're not going to have the victories you need to have in your life if you're not who you are. You can't get victory dressed like somebody else. Make sense? You are enough. So what does this do? Why am I preaching this message? Because listen to me. If you'll quit trying to be what everybody else is and quit trying to focus on what the world's doing and the crowd's doing and everybody else is doing, then you get to enjoy this life just being yourself. You get to have some peace. You don't have to work as hard. I don't have to work on this. 
If I wanted to look like John, I would have to work on this. Come on, John. Right? If John wanted to look like me, he had to eat a whole lot. That's work. It's freeing when you get to be yourself. And can I, can I just tell you something? People know you're not being you when you're not being you. It's clear as day. Come on, y'all look at people on Facebook and go, that girl acting like she all that. You know that? I know her. She. I've seen y'all. Isn't it freeing to know that you just get to be you? And can you just take a deep breath and go, you know what? I'm Jamie Tyler. I'm 44 years old. I'm a little bit overweight. Well, okay, I'm a lot overweight. But I'm still strong and still got some energy. I'm the father of three kids and I'm the husband of Cheryl. I get to pastor in the great city of Eunice. I'm not trying to be the pastor of Houston. I'm not trying to be Joel Osteen. That don't work. Y'all wouldn't come to church if I was trying to act like him. It'd be weird. Right? This is who I am. I'm a country boy. I like to raise animals. I like to get a little stuff on my shoes. I like to sweat. I like to work a little bit. Come on, I get to be me. I'm not always funny. I like to work. I'm trying to be funny. It's just not easy. I get to be me. I come from Franklin, Louisiana. So what? I'm proud of it. Born to a bunch of knuckleheads. Still love them. It's my people. Right? Get to be me. And it feels good. Can I just tell you, it feels good. People can't accept you for who you are. You don't need them in your life. Right? Move on. Get another friend. Holla, that was good preaching. And the funny thing is, the older you get, the less you care. Right? Come on, I'm 44. I don't give a rip. I went to, I went to track the supply the other day with some shorts on and some work boots, y'all. An old funky t-shirt had a couple holes in it, all stretched out and stunk. I walked up in the track the supply like, hey, y'all need some feed. I don't care. I'm not trying to impress nobody. I got a wife. She loves me. She loves me more than my little short pants in my work boots on. <laughs> Just ask her. She'll tell you. Right? Come on. There ain't another me out there. <clears throat> so if David was enough, then surely you can be enough. Amen? Amen? Let me give you two verses to finish this up with. Genesis 2-7. Let's go back to the very beginning when God made the first man. Watch how he did this. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. When God created the first man, he came from dust. And he was good enough. God loved him. God made this big old garden for him to take care of and live in and enjoy. It was good enough. Right? 
Psalms 139. I want to finish with this verse. This was David speaking, by the way. It was a a song back to God. Because David understood something. After his whole life becoming king, that whole story, his sons, a couple of sons going crazy, just, just he went through his whole life. And at the end of it all, he's sitting there and he's thinking about his life. And this is what he says to God. You formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Isn't that good? To just rest in the fact that God made me this way. You don't like me? That means you don't like God's hand.